But imagine a world where everybody was working on their instrument. And what we brought, what we all brought to the planet was our own music. What would the harmonic sense of that be across the globe? Feel that. That is the mission we are on with our work. When you hear an orchestra, there's a moment just before the conductor comes on that the lead first chair violinist stands up and everybody plays their instruments at the same time. It's cacophony. It sounds awful. It's just mishmash. But what they're doing is they're tuning. They can't play in harmony unless they take that first step to be in tune. Expanding possibilities, the mindset zone. I'm your host, Anna Malikian. And before we start, please remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone to access all the episodes and other amazing resources, all at mindset.zone. And if you want to get the free chapter of my book, Mindset Zone, please go to mindset.zone forward slash book. Today, we don't have one special guest. We have two very special guests. Uh, they are Ken Ashby and Mary Segal. And I met them at the Best U Expo in LA. And they are known by being the master connectors, and they really walk their talk. They were amazing, introduced me to other people that of that amazing community called The Secret Knock. And they are also incredible speakers, incredible transformational coaches. And they have this book that they released, published this year called The R Factor, The Evolving Our Human Relationship Story. And I'm so honored to have you here in the Mindset Zone. So welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. And Thank love, you so much. And love, love that introduction. And really love that you call this the Mindset Zone. It just pulls people right in, gets them grounded in it. It's so powerful. Yep. Love yeah. it. So you think, so it's the Mindset Zone. So you mean I don't get to be scattered and all over the place? I get to be really focused then. <laughs> yes. And when I started the podcast in 2014, everybody was already speaking about mindset. Mindset is important. Mindset, mindset. But I was not finding at the time resources where you can go to work your mindset. And for me, working our mindsets is a lot about creating experiences where we expand possibilities. And that was from the beginning, the goal year with my solo episodes, with the interviews. I want people at the end to see things in a more expansive way. And when I met you, when I read your book, I thought, oh, these are the people to bring here because you help us to see relationships in a more expansive way. And I love, first of all, thank you for writing a good, well-written book, because it was so easy to read. It's one of that books, because let's face it, there are great books in business, in the business arena, but some of them take a little bit 
more effort to read, even with great information that they have. But you really got what we can call a, a page turner. We want to see what happens to both characters in the book that you take us to their journey. And then was fascinating when I was reading because I know uh, so the two characters that drive the story in the book is Mindy and Rich. And I was reading it, and because I know you a little bit, I was saying, oh, there are some touches of autobiography here. This is very interesting. What is autobiographic? What is fantasy? So that was even more entertaining for me, but is really, and the message, and that is where I want to focus here today, because you speak about four universal rhythms for our lives. So Let's speak about that. So tell us a little bit more what these are, and let's go a little bit into them. Thank you. And one, thank you for reading the book and loving the book. And your perspective actually is exactly what our intention was. And that is that it was surprising, right? So because the book is really written in, in, in a story form on purpose, we didn't want it to be a how-to or a listicle or a self-help book. We wanted people through the characters to see themselves in them and then get connected to these four key relationship rhythms. And the four words are respect, responsibility, reframing, and resilience. And in our research over the years as executive producers, as coaches, as speakers, as trainers, as marketers working across public and private sectors in many countries with hundreds of leaders and executives and families and celebrities, we identified these four key relationship rhythms that when they work together, right? Very often people will say, is it one or the other? When they work together, our lives are in sync. Our lives are in harmony. Yes, I'm just going to say that all of these words and this idea of universal rhythms, because I'm a singer-songwriter, we, we just started looking at it, and rhythm is part of everything in our world. Certainly in nature, we have the circadian rhythm, the sun rises, the moon circles, the all of those different rhythms are constantly affecting us in every day of our lives. And we thought, what is the rhythm of relationships? What is the rhythm and what is the what are the key elements to a rhythm of a relationship? And so I think these words, respect, responsibility, reframing, and resilience, became crucial for us. And we started looking at research and started developing it ourselves. So uh, maybe I'll just jump in. Would you like us to just jump into one of them? Yeah. And I, before that, I just want to read a quote that you have in the book that brings the four together. Show up with respect stand up and be responsible, reframe limiting beliefs, and step forward with resilience. So with that said, let's go to respect. Respect, respect. Well, respect is, is such a powerful thing. And I'm sure all of us can think of moments where, one, we felt like we weren't respected. And that's very hard to have a relationship when you when you feel like the other person doesn't respect your word, your sensibilities, your life choices. So that's coming from someone else to you, feeling respect. The second piece is how do we bring respect to other people? You know that when you have a relationship where respect is prominent, that you, what do you do when you're, when respect is there? Well, number one, you show up 
If you're going to have a meeting with somebody, you show up, you're on time. You're present. You respect them enough to be present to what they're saying. You uh, listen. <laughs> yes, Maris is twiddling on her phone. Just make believe. Just make yeah, believe. It's the focus. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's really being, focus, in it, being, being present. In it, right? Being present. You yeah. listen. You bring trust. And there's also trust with respect. Yes. Yeah. Those elements are so important. It's not that people, I think, in our world don't want to show respect. It's sometimes like you were illustrating with the phone. We get, we have so much distractions externally, technology-wise, and the inner critics without within our heads that create so much noise that don't allow us to show up with the respect that the other person deserves many times. Sometimes if we can't bring... So this falls into many different categories, but if we can't find a way to bring respect to something, it could be that maybe we're not embodying respect for ourselves. So it goes internally as well as externally. So I always say to people, someone will say, oh, I really like this, something that I did. And I say, well, you honor me. And the beautiful thing about that is you can't honor someone else unless you honor yourself. It's empty yes. words. And that is something that I love about your work is that uh, there is this rhythm, speaking about rhythms, about that outward work and that inward work. And it's al almost like the infinity symbol. You have to do both of them and you have to keep going from one to the other. Really glad you said it that way, because that's also why we talk about a relationship rhythm circle, right? This is about, this is first how we are moving in our lives inside, because how we're feeling inside is always, inevitably, whether or not we're feeling badly about ourselves, if we wake up in the morning and we aren't waking up in gratitude and talking about the power and the value of our day, then our whole day can really be a negative day. We choose that. Then we show up that way with our kids, with our spouse, with our partners. We show up that way snapping at people we're managing at work, right? It's an inside out job. It's not one or the other. Yes, absolutely. And one thing, and going to the musical element, because you always in your, when you do a keynote, when you do a workshop, I've been in a workshop with both of you that is um, powerful. You bring the music in. For me, this is a lot. We are the instruments. We are like the guitar that produce an experience. We are the instruments, but most of us are not doing the work of tuning the guitar, tuning the instrument, and then what we produce is not to the potential that we have. Beautifully said, because if we are not in sync with ourselves, then it's very difficult to create harmony and in sync and be in tune with everybody else, right? And so imagine a world, just for a minute, imagine a world where we, you know, we know we are all connected as humanity first. That's the bottom line. We are all connected. Ken talks about this all the time in our work. But imagine a world where everybody was working on their instrument and what we brought, what we all brought to the planet was our own music. What would the harmonic sense of that be across the globe? Feel that. That is the mission we are on with our work. Absolutely. Absolutely. One other thing about that. So we all talk about wanting to be in harmony. And there's a step before harmony. And the step before harmony is 
tuning. And the mindset zone and what you're bringing forward here is that place to be in tuning. When you hear an orchestra, a symphony orchestra, there's a moment just before the conductor comes on that the lead first chair violinist stands up and everybody plays their instruments at the same time. It's cacophony. It sounds awful. It's just mishmash. But what they're doing is they're tuning. They can't play in harmony unless they take that first step to be in tune. And so like your mindset zone is the zone where you get in tune, where you tune your instrument so that it can be harmonious. So I love that you brought that up. Thank you very much. Yeah. I like that analogy. They are respecting their instrument. They are yes. honoring that and part of it, because I think these four rhythms, like you were saying, are intertwined because by respecting that and the, the time that uh, is need to do that inner work and get that tuning done, that can be messy. You have to be responsible in that sense of being proactive, of being able to choose your response. So tell us a little bit more about that, the responsible rhythm. Right. So in the so in the second rhythm of relationships in responsibility and the rhythm of responsibility, you know, we're intentional. We're committed, right? We communicate clearly. This is a big one. We communicate clearly and we stand accountable for our actions, right? So when we're responsible, here's a really important word. When we're responsible, expectations are aligned and our relationships are full of possibilities. So what's interesting about responsibility, you know, is that we've come from a place already from the respect. So we know it's about being present and listening. But in our, resp in our responsibility, one, accountability is important. So we get to acknowledge being a place of accountability for ourselves and for others. Again, think about this in your personal life and your professional life. Think about expectations as a team. If a team is not clear about the vision of the company, and their vision as a team, and where they're headed, then how will they operate together? And expectations will not be met. So right, very often, we're in that situation where we may say, the boss didn't give me this information. Well, you have a choice here. Can you be, are you going to be the victim or the victor, the responsible person, right? Because I am responsible for myself and for how I react and or respond to others. So if somebody, if, if you say, you know what, the boss didn't give me the information, so I couldn't get it done. Then we work with the teams and say, okay, what would have been possible? What if you looked at it from a place of possibilities? Well, it would have been possible for me to reach out to my superior and say, wow, I didn't receive that information. Did you still want me to handle whatever it is? So it's, it's taking that next step and standing in accountability in a family and in a relationship the same. Ken and I talk about this all the time. If Ken says to me, honey, can you get me um, so-and-so at the store? Sure. But that so-and-so has five different versions of it. And it may not be something that Ken's ever asked me about before. So it's not something I know as his partner in business and his partner in life. Sometimes he'll send me to Staples and say, pick up a so-and-so. Really? <laughs> okay. But how do I know what you really want? I can't, you can't assume that I know what you really want. And I think when we make assumptions, so in, in the rhythm of responsibility, we carry the respect to the situation and we stand responsible to communicate clearly 
to align expectations, to be sure everybody in your world is clear down to your customer about how they get to be treated, what's being expected of them, and what they can expect of you. Because expectations without agreement create premeditated resentment every time, every time. I love that is the, the clarity of the communication, the expectations, know what is your mission, your purpose. And I, I think implicit there is also know your core values. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. also in, you know, in responsibility, it's also communicating the why, right? I know we talk a lot about, a lot is going on out there about talking about the why, but What we are very clear on, and Ken and I have worked with hundreds of people, we've you know been in front of millions and just connecting and creating. And the reality is that if somebody isn't clear about the purpose, about the why that is driving them, there is no drive. There is no drive. There's no commitment. There's just a hope and a, and a wish and a wing and a prayer. But when you know your why, you can always figure out the how. And knowing the why is part of standing on your responsibility. I absolutely agree with that. So how does, so we show up with respect, we stand up and be responsible. And what now the reframing? Why so important that dimension of reframing? This is a goodie. This is a juicy, messy, this is a juicy, messy one. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I mean, reframing is that moment where, as Maris has said before, you can only have one thought in your mind at a time, positive or negative. It's either plus or minus, positive or negative. So if you have a thought in your mind, or maybe it's the same thought you had yesterday. Likely. And possibly the same <laughs> thought you had last week and the week before and the year before <laughs> of something that's holding you back that you're saying, well, I can't do that because of this or this or this. So that's a limiting belief. We've talked about that. And I know you work a lot So this idea of reframing, of taking, looking at those limiting beliefs or traumas and dramas that we've experienced in the past and reframing them, retelling the story, recreating the story, finding a place in there that, that allows you, that can be supportive as opposed to limiting you or, or holding you back. I really believe that that can be one of the leverage of transformation, the reframing of the limiting beliefs. I sometimes call them the blind spots because many people are not aware that they have a limited belief. It's like a blind spot. We don't, we are not necessarily aware that we don't see that. So how do you go about increasing the awareness and making people aware or teams aware of their own limiting beliefs. One of the things you can do is, and, and meeting people where they are, it's certainly part of this, this program. So uh, as you say, my, a lot of times we don't know what this thought of limiting beliefs is. Here's what I would say. Listen to what's going on in your head. Listen to what's going on in your head, because that is the movies and the audio and the records that you keep replaying and listen to that, become aware of it. That's just the first step. Just be aware of it. Why did I think when I went to the store that I was going to have an accident? So there's something that triggers that in. So the first step is just, just being aware. 
just being aware of what voices and what thoughts are going to your mind. Because, you know, many of the wisdom teachers have said, you know, that's where it starts. It's your thoughts that start everything. So they, from, drive, they, they drive your actions, right? From so your thoughts, drive, drive your words, right. drive your actions, drive your intentions, all of that. And it really becomes who you are. So I think in terms of reframing and understanding, well, I don't know what I need to reframe. Just be aware of what you're saying. Witness yourself. And be in connection to it, right? right. In, in our work, in our work, we see this all the time, both in the corporate space and, and in spaces as we're working with um, individuals. And that is that there's th- there is this moment always of fear. We don't really know it's fear. It could be anger. It could be it could be angst. It could be something coming up for us. We don't really know what it is, but we're tuning into it, and it's a little uncomfortable, right? And so it's in that moment where we do something that we call face it, and it's what Ken is saying. So face it, F A C E, face it, freely acknowledge current emotion. So when you can be in the moment, as Ken has said, hear it, feel it, be really clear. So I literally, we coach our our community to be able to say, okay, put your hand up and face what's coming up for you. If you're feeling anxiety around presenting in a meeting, if you're feeling angry at someone, face it, own it. So you look at your hand, you put your hand up, you look at your hand, you say, okay, here's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling anger about this. And you, you let your hand take it. You let your hand take it and you send it away. You push it away. So that in that moment, you're tuning into it, but you're connecting to what it is. Because when we don't give a connection, right, a moment of awareness to what we're feeling in fear and anger, then what happens? It stays inside and it shows up outside. Absolutely. In the end, when we reframe, new perspectives become available to you and you can shift. A shift can happen then. So until we become aware of it, and then we can reframe, then that is a powerful rhythm for us to take in all aspects of our lives. And I really have to underline this of the face it that I absolutely love because there are many experts out there doing incredible work, but it's a lot about just uh, develop thick skin and keep going. And I think that is like you are saying, if we don't are aware of our emotional side, if we like swept that, those things under the rug, so to speak, they come in back and stronger. Yeah, let's be realistic. Ken and I have been living, loving, working and choosing to be together for nearly 20 years. So not only are we in that relationship as couples, but we're also in that relationship in business. And there are times it doesn't, it, it's out of sync. Right. So what it takes for us to be in relationship with each other in that space, professionally and personally, is for Ken to meet me where I am in that moment to see what's going on for me and for me to meet him where he is. Because if we don't get connected in a with relationship, we're going to just be knocking into each other. So when we can meet each other where we are and we understand and we tune into that, then we have the ability to listen to feedback, which is not always easy, to listen to the feedback and accept it as neutral. And from that place, then you have a conversation. Then you have a reframing because I've gotten to hear where he's coming from. He's heard where I'm coming from. And frankly, we're better for it in the end. And that goes for teams, for individuals, whatever that looks like. If there's not these pieces connected, it doesn't work. Love it. And it's always a work in progress. So show up with respect, 
stand up and be responsible, reframe limiting beliefs, and step forward with resilience. So the last R is resilient. Why is this so important? Oh my goodness. So Anna, I'm sure just sitting here, if we were to say to you, what are the top three moments in your life that have been the most stressful? You could probably come up with one and two fairly quickly. The third one might be a little bit more difficult, but the top two are definitely somewhere in your kind of foreground. You know what those are. It could have been as recently as yesterday, right? We're in a space of resilience all day long. We are constantly, very often, recovering from a challenging conversation we've had, something that happened you know, again when things are not in sync. So when we are looking at resilience, the very first thing is when we get knocked down. So when we're in the water and a big wave has come and knocked us down, what's the first thing we have to do to survive? Come back and inhale fresh air, I think. Yeah. Breathe and stand up. Breathe and stand up. Because if you're knocked down in the water, then of course, what do you want to do? You want to be able to survive and get up. So you're like, boom, okay, I got to get up. Holy heck, now I'm upright. Where do I go from here? I had a friend who used to work on his strength, work on his inner strength. And he would go to the ocean. He would walk out into the water where the waves were about coming up to his chest. And then he would stand there and he would force himself to not be knocked down. Wow. Let the waves hit him and feel it, but but stand resilient against the waves. I thought, oh, that's a, that's so, such a beautiful so, way. So so, but, and here's and here's what's interesting about that. So in the rhythm in the rhythm of resilience, right? We stand up and we step forward, right? We stand up, we step forward, and here's a really big one with consistent action, right? Consistency, persistency is ultimately is what's going to build us to our desire and those connections. So resiliency very much is about standing in consistent action, just coming back and being committed. Because when we know our why in our family and our work, whatever it is, being consistent is not so difficult because we still know we're looking to get there, right? And here's another thing about resilience. Resilience, I don't know about you, but it's not a lone wolf job. Resiliency also really begs us to accept support and request support and not stand in lone wolfing. We didn't come into the world. This is what's so interesting. We stand in this lone wolf space, yet it took two people to even bring us into this world. And as we're coming into the world, we're feeling very safe with another person supporting us. So, we were never intended to be lone wolf people. We've always been connected. There's always been this connected in relationship. and relationship rhythm that has started from the time that we even were conceived. So in the rhythm of resiliency, we talk about our relationships are inspired and renewed because we're consistent. We stand up, we step forward, we accept support, we don't lone wolf it, and we navigate inevitable change. And it's okay if it's messy. I'm, uh, you know, recovering control freak and perfectionist. <laughs> and yeah, I've learned that messy is better than inactivity. Absolutely. Better to take action and trip over your first step and be messy than to sit back in the crappy way I'm feeling because something just happened or happened in my past. That's being a victim, not a victor. So we're not using our responsibility or respecting ourselves if we're sitting back in it and not allowing ourselves to stand up and step forward. 
and allowing a generosity of other people to support us. Love that. And I love this framework. I love how you put these these four universal rhythms in our lives that is so important in our personal lives, so important in our work life. And I know I, I'm just aware of the time and we have to start wrapping up. But one thing that you always speak a lot is the power of gratitude. So why don't we finish about with why is cultivating gratitude so important? Well, so, well, so one, gratitude in, in our work, gratitude really comes under reframing. Mm. And it's interesting because people have said this, well, that's interesting. Why would you put it there? And here's why. If you don't stand in gratitude from the time you wake up in the morning in recognition of my life on this planet and everything else. And Ken's going to go further into this, right? When you choose, remember, we have a we have an opportunity 24-7, including while we sleep, to be in relationship. They're the most significant factors of our life. We also have a chance to choose how we're showing up in it. And the gratitude piece, especially in reframing, is most important because then we're seeing in gratitude somebody else who is mirroring some of my behavior and we're recognizing the challenge in a situation, but we're acknowledging everything possible. And Ken can connect on sort of the practice and why this is important um, from his end as well. Right. Well, I mean, I think from gratitude standpoint, that wisdom teachers have, have put this forward many times that gratitude may be the most important way of being. Because when you are in a when you're being, when you're in a way of being of gratefulness of being grateful, being thankful, being amazed, being awed. Uh, when you are in that mindset zone, yes. <laughs> that that mindset zone is the beginning for you. Because if you can't, if you don't find yourself a way to be grateful for something, even if it's tough, even if it's hard, even if it's something that is hurtful, there is some element of gratitude available in every experience. There's some level of gratitude available in every experience. So mining that gratitude, paying attention to it, and practicing all, all the time. Practice gratitude, yes. practice gratitude. Oh, my God. So Maris and I have this. I mean, our morning practice. Our morning, morning practice, practice. Yes. of gratitude. And and by the way, we're happy to share that with all your listeners uh, for free. And I think you have the information or just go to our website, seagullleadershipglobal.com. You'll put all that in there. And we'll share this gratitude practice. So we do four things in our gratitude practice. And this can happen in a matter of ten, of five minutes, 10 minutes, or it can be longer. And whether or not you're single, you do it with your family. We have teams doing it in the corporate setting in the morning. I mean, it's wild. Right. So you wake up in the morning and you say, good morning. Good morning. Because listen to the words, good morning. Good morning. So it's not bad morning. It's not, <laughs> oh, hell morning. It's good morning. So say that to your significant other, your spouse, your friend, or even to yourself in the mirror. Good morning. Grounding. We like to do a grounding, whatever that is for you. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's dancing, just dancing yourself off. Uh, that could be a grounding as well. And then we talk about um, of a generosity. How will we be generous to ourselves and others yep, yeah. during the day? And certainly gratitude. 
And so generosity can come in really small ways. I'm going to say thank you to everybody I meet today. Just thank you. And or I'm going to actually accept help and, and, and empower my team today, or I'm going to accept help from, I mean, it's all of these things, right? And it's just creating a little bit of a bow around it. And then we do the same thing at night because we feel very strongly, and we've seen a huge shift that when you begin and end your day, when you bookend with a space of gratitude and the gratitude at the end of the day could be, my God, thank you for getting me this, getting through this ridiculous, crazy day. And I had the wherewithal. That's, that's good. That's okay. Because it's messy and life's not perfect. And, and this idea of practicing is really important because we get to create rhythms and habits and things that we do that can replace the things that that we don't. How much great is it to get up and spend five or 10 minutes in the morning rather than immediately going to your phone, checking your emails, getting on emails, getting texts, uh, hearing the dogs barking, feeding, you know, take a moment, even if you have to wake up 10 minutes earlier, a moment that you just stop and you're present to you and present to your day. Is the practice of re- respecting yourself, being mm-hmm. responsible for taking that time reframe by asking what you can be grateful for and that absolutely will help with the resilience so where can people learn more about you and your work our website is seagal s-e-g-a-l leadership global.com and there we have our our new best-selling book the r factor which actually was at so which we did um at the best you expo is when we launched it so they can get um, our book there, The R Factor, which is available on Amazon. And um, we can all, you can also download our gratitude practice guide from there and let us know how it's working for you and catch us on Instagram as well, The, the R Factor on Instagram. Love it. And if uh, for looking in Amazon, it's R Factor all together and you will find it there. And I will make sure that I put all these links on the show notes. So, so grateful that you share all this with us today. Always a pleasure to be in your presence. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Thank, Thank you, Anna. you for what you're doing. Really. Really appreciate what you're putting into the world and it matters. And congratulations on almost 10 years with your podcast, right? <laughs> yes. yes, yes, it's true. Oh my God. It's amazing. We get to do a 10th anniversary. We have party. a 10th anniversary podcast. I have to start to think about that, really. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, that's you. Yes, thank, thank you. you. And before we go today, I have an extra bonus for you. Marys and Ken, uh, in their keynotes and training, they use songs to inspire us and to bring their concepts to life. And we are going to end this episode with one of their songs, The Gratitude Street. Enjoy. FaceTiming with the hot sun Got all I need, traveling light I look around and see the beautiful, beautiful people